Welcome back to Learning from a Layman. I am Carl Christensen uh, here again with Matt and Tim, a medical school dropout, Cox, and uh, <laughs> and Johnny Nielsen back for Johnny. You've been a couple podcasts, right? Yeah, a few. Yeah. So I don't remember if the, I think the last time you had graduated med school, but you hadn't started residency yet. Does that sound right? That may be accurate. I do not know. <laughs> okay. Well, whatever. We'll we'll pretend that that's accurate. Anyway, I'll start keeping. I'll start keeping a list. Yeah, if you yeah. would, please. I, uh, and, uh, I just, do have a comment. Even though I know you were trying to make a dig at me, if I were a medical school dropout, I would still be more respectable than my current profession. So. <laughs> hey, teachers are respectable profession. It's just not a highly paid profession. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> When I think of respect, I think of dollar signs. How many <laughs> exactly. dollar signs do you respect me? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, that explains how why Johnny got into um, to be a doctor. It had nothing to do with caring about people or caring <laughs> about caring, uh, you know, medically for people. It was all about the money. It's exactly. The, That's why I chose pediatrics. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Anyway, okay, so Johnny Nielsen graduated from medical school what uh, a little bit less than a year ago, currently in residency, University of Arizona, um, right? Yes, that is correct, in Tucson. Tucson, yeah. And uh, pediatrics, uh, it, it, residencies are categorized by the different uh, specialties, right? So you're a pediatric resident? Yeah, that is correct. Okay, so... Thank you, Johnny, for joining. Today, we're going to be talking uh, about medical school because we have someone that knows something about medical school. I mean, apologies to Tim, who said that he knew everything about it, but I have no confidence that Tim knows anything more about medical school than he does about, say, you know, teaching sixth graders. I could make up all sorts of believable lies about medical school. <laughs> uh, right, right. <laughs> and uh, Matt, I'm sure we'll chime in with lots of um, facts, maybe, or not. This um, is my specialty. Exactly. <laughs> okay. We'll go ahead and get started. Before I give uh, some questions to Johnny about medical school and how to prep for medical school and what that's all like, I'll give you kind of the family history of medical school for, for me. Um, so my dad, who's been on the podcast before, um, uh, if you want to go back and listen to our college English podcast from, I don't know, what was that, uh, about a year ago, um, he was going pre-med in college. Um, I think, believe his major was going to, was chemistry. Um, and I, shortly before graduating with his undergrad, uh, he had uh, some type of epiphany um, and decided that what he really wanted to do was not be a doctor but become a, a not at least not a medical doctor. He wanted to get a doctorate in English. Um, so some might question whether or not that is an epiphany or some type of you know, mental stroke. Um, but uh, he uh, he's done very good work in his profession. Uh, so it's worked out well for him, though it was a long time in the um you know, it, it made for a significantly longer road and fewer bags of money. Um, but sounds like he did a 180 and got the heck out of Dodge. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, pretty much. He, uh, so that was the medical, near medical 
experience. I almost grew up as the son of a doctor. Instead, I grew up the son of a doctor of English, which, um, you know, it has its benefits. But uh, we lived in a small... I wouldn't want to denigrate the profession too much. Uh, uh, The doctorate of English? Yes. Don't I? (laughs) Uh, Anyway. uh, That's why you speak so good, Carl. You speak so good. You know the (laughs) words. You were taught the words. Well, and and although it it was, I'm sure, a challenging road for him, that I, I think it does demonstrate uh the the ideal the original ideal of the university education that going that way made your dad incredibly well-rounded <laughs> you know and, that is and anyone who, who talks with them you know is, you, you sense that quickly and and i think that's the the kind of the idea behind university education universal you, you learn about everything and and you, for your dad that's especially true Right. Yeah. Well, so he was um, he was close. He was close, but he didn't have the medical experience that um, that Johnny has. And so we're going to tap into Dr. Nielsen's wealth of information about medical school. So let's start right at the, uh, you know, uh, let's start in your undergrad. Um, I am I'm familiar with a lot of uh, pre-med students uh, majoring in biology. Um, Are there other pre-med pre-med majors that are very common, Johnny? Yeah, I'd say biology and chemistry are probably the most common, and that's because you have to take certain courses in order to apply to medical school and in order to study for the entrance exam called the MCAT. So when you do those pre-med courses and you study for the MCAT and take the courses that you're supposed to take to take the MCAT, then you're basically almost done with a biology or chemistry degree. And so most people will do that as their degree. But technically, there's no, like, you can go into anything that you want. You can get a bachelor's degree in anything that you want. I went to school and medical school with people that had degrees in theater, in um, architecture, in, uh, you know, like, design, in public health, all sorts of different things. Some of them related to medicine and some of them totally unrelated. It didn't really matter what the bachelor's degree was in. In fact, some counselors would suggest that if they, if you had a major in something else other than biology and chemistry, it made you stand out more as an applicant because they're like, well, why is this theater major wanting to go into medicine? And they're more likely to read your application to medical school. And laugh? <laughs> okay well no, like, no, nothing against a good one <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> dr sure. fred come come read this one with me it's a, another theater major <laughs> uh yeah that one surprises me um theater doesn't seem to have a lot to do i mean unless they're like trying to become like the next house you know like um uh, <laughs> i mean i don't well, know sometimes um people will get a degree in something and then decide later to go into medical school and they don't have to complete a bachelor's degree. All they have to do is go back and finish their prerequisites for medical school and take the MCAT. Um, so they don't have to get another bachelor's degree in something else. So sometimes you get some pretty interesting, um, people, (laughs) you know, that are applying to medical school for sure. Sure. How much does your undergrad 
grades? Do they? How much do they affect uh, applications and, and acceptance rates and things like that? I think that they affect them a lot. Um, you know, one issue that I had when I was in high school, I wasn't the the best student, um, so I decided to enroll into into some college courses, and I got like a C and I was like, sweet, I got a C in a college class. I'm a genius. <laughs> well, that went way against me when I um, was applying to medical school. It really dropped my GPA, even though I had like a in the undergrad school that I went to um, and did all of my undergrad stuff, not including the stuff I did in high school. I had like a three nine GPA. It dropped it down to like a three eight or a three seven. Like it really tanked it, even though it was only like one semester. Wow, that is a cautionary <laughs> so, note because that's interesting. I hadn't even considered because you have a lot of high school students taking, you know, like uh, some type of advanced, you know, college credit classes, and those grades go on your transcript. Yeah, and that's one thing that I would say is, you know, some people they want to do some type of graduate degree or some type of degree that's competitive um, to apply to and you know like dental school anything like that and I would just caution people if you're not ready to take a college class in high school it's okay to take that class in college and use your high school years to prepare yourself for college even though you know it's cool that you graduate with your associates that's that's great but if you do it and your GPA is a 2.0, then that's really going to hurt you when you go to try to apply to programs for sure. Yeah, yeah, that's that's good insight. Okay, so the, you mentioned the MCAT a couple times, which, by the way, I just Googled. It means, I'm, which I'm sure you probably already know, but I didn't. Medical college admission test, which makes sense because you're talking about this test you take to get into medical school. Yeah, it's um, kind of like in the name. <laughs> Okay, so the MCAT is something that you hear about, you hear about people stressing about people not only losing sleep, but essentially, you know, probably shortening their life um, with all the the stress (laughs) that they do about the MCAT. You took the MCAT. Uh, What words of wisdom do you have about it? So the MCAT um, was a pretty brutal test. It's probably... As far as a doctor goes, it's probably the second most important exam, maybe third most important exam that you'll take to as you know to get into medical school. I think the hardest step of medicine is actually getting into medical school personally. I think that that's what it is. Um, the MCAT I took I, I was I studied a lot for it. I did self-study. Um, you can hire like a private tutor. Um, it just depends on how motivated you are and what your learning style is. Um, but I really think that what I did worked for me. But I also think that if I had some type of private tutoring that I probably could have got higher, but I just didn't have the money to fork out for that. They can be very, very expensive programs to help you study for the MCAT Um so the test is basically all day. It's like an all day exam. I, I don't remember. I think it's like when I took it's changed now. But when I took it, it was like three sections and they were each um, block was like an hour and a half with breaks in between. Um, so, I mean, it ends up being a That's very a long. It's, yeah. it's a very long exam and the shortest of all the medical exams. <laughs> unfortunately that one's short <laughs> yeah that one's short 
Oh, uh, when you get into some of the other exams later on in med- medical training, uh, there's one that's two days. So you go in and get tortured for two days in a row of just test taking. Oh, my. I guess that's preparing you for residency, huh? That, yeah, exactly. Or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> is that test, is it the same kind of test as the MCAT or is it a different, like, is it a more application based or, or is it the same kind of thing, like a knowledge based yeah, I mean, everything builds on the last test. So the MCAT is a lot of basic science things, things that you should know to get into medical school, but not necessarily medical knowledge. And then um, and then you go through, depending on if you're a DO or MD, I went to an MD school, so I can't really speak for the DO programs, but they have similar type of exams. Our uh, main one that you take after the first couple years of studying in medical school is called Step 1. And then you take step two and then you take step three. So they're all um, by the USMLE, um, which is the like the United States Medical Licensing Exam or something like that. Um, so you take you take all those tests and you have to pass all of them to get to be a doctor, basically. And each one gets longer and each one gets more um, application based. So. Like step one is very basic science, or sorry, step one, yeah, step one is very basic science. Step two is more clinical experience. And then step three goes even further into clinical experience and patient care. So it all builds on each other in a way. They just get more expensive as time goes on. Um, So step one is expensive, but step two is ridiculous. And step three is, here's my arm, please. (laughs) Please, can I take out more student loans? Uh, that sounds um, like a lot of fun. Um, a question about the MCAT, becoming bringing that back to that. Um, I know with with other uh, standardized tests, or well, I guess my own experience really has been getting. I, I did get into graduate school. I got a master's degree. I took the GRE. I believe that you can take the GRE multiple times if you want. Is the same thing true with the MCAT? If you score low on the MCAT, could you take it again? Yes, you can take it again. Um, so. When you apply, you do have to release all of your scores to the medical schools. So if you had to take it six times, that might not look so good because uh, the medical schools, it's all a numbers game kind of to them. They want somebody that's going to go to their school and in four years, they're going to pass all their exams and get their degree and go on to to a residency. Like that's how success is measured for the medical school. And somebody that takes six times to pass the test or to do well on the test, that might be a little bit of a red flag to accept that person as a student. Right. So That's... if you do retake it, you want to do better. Okay. You, so you, you have to, to do better. Right. You want to spend the time. If you if you thought you prepared well enough the first time and you don't do well, you darn well had better prepare long and hard for the second time. Don't just jump back in and be like, oh, I could have done better. I'm going to sign up for the next one or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Right. And it's expensive. So you don't really want to do that on your pocketbook either. But right. Um, but yeah, yeah, you need to think about, you know, I always have the thought if you do the same thing, you're going to get the same results. So if you did something and it didn't work, then you have to try something different uh, for it to work. Otherwise, it's not going to work. You're going to get the same result over and over and over. 
And that's, isn't that the definition of insanity? Doing the yeah, same thing, correct. expecting different results, something like that. <laughs> that's actually that's not, and you're a doctor and should know that, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not an yeah. English major, nor was I raised by one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the standardized tests, I know that's a big part of, you know, like you said, preparing for medical school. It's a big part of, even if people listening to this and, and are not going to be going to medical school, you know, we have some very high scoring standardized test uh, co-hosts on this podcast. I did all right myself, but I wasn't, uh, Tim could probably comment the most on uh, being able to change your score on a standardized test significantly. Tim jumped his, uh, from what I remember, Tim, you jumped one of your standardized tests uh, a substantial amount. How did you do that? Yeah. Um, so it was the ACT and I, uh, after I did, I did okay the first time, but then I enrolled in this uh, program in this uh, monastery in Tibet, and after three years, um, <laughs> are you Batman? <laughs> I can't answer that. Um, but let's let's change the subject. Up. Yeah, I always no. wondered why you shaved your head. Yeah. <laughs> um, no comment. No comment. <laughs> No, yeah, um, I, I can speak to that for sure. My my first time was just, and and I did all right, but I just I knew I could do better. Um, I I went into the test and I had like a nasty cold, and um, I won't say I didn't prepare, but uh, yeah, uh, of course after that first that first time and I didn't get the result I wanted, I just said okay, I'm going to go back, I'm going to prepare more, and and uh, I went in and yeah. Um, bumped my score up four points, which on the ACT, which is a scale of, I think, 36, that that was a substantial, um, a substantial change. And yep. yeah, so so I definitely um, I would recommend that to anyone, anyone listening, if you're, you know, what, regardless of the test, if if you get a result and you would like better. Um, yeah, no, no reason if you can take it, it, it made a world of difference for my outlook. So, yeah. Yeah. And I'm from what I remember, Matt always got good scores and um, standardized tests. Any any uh, advice, Matt? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I think Johnny gave kind of the best one in terms of, I mean, it all depends on the test. Um, so I, I, I defeated the ACT by taking it, no kidding, four times. I could do that because the colleges only care about your score not your scores, your singular score. And so they take the best one. Um, but yeah, if you've got only one shot, I think Johnny's, you know, standard preparation uh, really works. Uh, something that helped me when I took the GRE, and I only did take the GRE once um, officially, but I also took the GRE for something like three or four times based on uh, study guides and using old GREs. So, you know, that is usually available for most types of tests, the published versions of old tests, not the one that you're going to get this year, but ones that have been provided previous years. That can go a long way to helping you understand what to expect and just getting you in the right frame to deal with the questions that will be asked. that helps me quite a bit. If but, you can get this year's um, test as well, that'd be even better, you know? 
Well, yes, but then you have an integrity issue. And Oh, right. <laughs> I mean, some people care about that. Some people don't. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. So that, that's standardized tests. Um, they're important. Grades are important. What else is important in your undergrad, Johnny? What else do you do to prep? So, yeah, um, one of the other things that you have to do is you have to show uh, qualities in different categories. I can't remember how they categorize them now on the application that you send in to the medical schools, but it's like leadership, um, service, and work experience. So, um, so you have to have a well-rounded application. You can't just go and crush school and get straight A's and excel you know, um, academically and then never do any service. So mix into all of the busy things that you're trying to work on. And I had kids when I was an undergrad, so it was pretty difficult and was working as well, trying to find ways to do service and ways to volunteer in the community in meaningful ways that um, that will change who you are. You know, the, the people that interview you, they're going to, or reading your applications, they're going to be able to tell if you did some type of activity that you were using to check the box, you know, they ask you about it, you give them a one line answer and can't talk about it anymore. Like, yeah, he was probably just checking the box. But if it's something that you actually immerse yourself in, then it, it begins to change you and change who you are and change the way you think about things and the way you, um, you process the information around you in the world. And so you want to find things that are interesting to you that allow you to stand out as somebody that is involved in leadership and um, extracurricular activities and different things like that. So you have to have all those different types of things to even apply. Speaking of interesting things on, on your application, Johnny, I'm pretty sure you had a probably one that most other medical students didn't have um, with your wife and your your second child. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So my uh, second child was born um, right inside our door uh, on the way out to the car. So uh, <laughs> so I ended up catching the baby. This was before any medical training. Um, I think that it's more terrifying now. So, you know, ignorance is bliss. So I thought it was very beautiful. <laughs> now I think about the experience and it's terrifying, but that's okay. <laughs> it worked out. <laughs> yeah. And she's doing well. She's uh, happy and healthy. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, wow, yeah. So if you could just get good on a medical application. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you could just get your wife to have a child at home. <laughs> convince her of that and then put that on your medical school application i think you'll have <laughs> yeah and i mean if anyone here is listening to this that is wanting to go to medical school um thinking about as well um why you want to go to medical school and the answer to help people is not good enough it has to run deeper than that and it has to be more clear than that of why you want to go to medical school, because honestly, you could work at the grocery store and help somebody, but you're not, maybe you're not helping people in the way that you want to help, but you need to be able to clarify what exactly you mean by, I want to help people, um, you know, like, what does that entail for you? So thinking about those things as you write um, a personal statement, which is something else that goes into your application of why you want to go into medical school. And usually if you um, couple those 
writings with experiences, it goes a lot further. So instead of saying, I am a very dedicated person and I want to go to medical school, well, telling a story about how you're a dedicated person goes a lot further because it makes you a person instead of somebody that's just saying, you know, qualities that, of course, anyone would know, um, anyone would know that somebody would need to be in medical school. Yeah, that's good. Uh, good advice. Um, okay, so we've got a little bit about the undergrad now. Um, now the application process, that's not, I mean, you've talked, you've talked, touched on that a little already, but there's a lot that goes into that. And then it's also very costly, right? Yeah, so I, um, this was so long ago, I don't remember how much it cost, but it was a little silly. Um, and you have to apply to a lot of programs because I don't remember what it is. I think it's like, and you might be able to Google this faster than I can tell you, but I think it's like 60,000 people um, apply to medical school, like an MD medical school, and 20,000 get in or something like that. It's ridiculous. So you're being compared to so many people um, that it makes it very difficult to, to even get in. So it's a numbers game. So you have to apply to a lot of programs and hope that you know, those programs will read your application and hope that those people that read the application are in a good mood that day and think that you're awesome and they pass on your information to somebody else who reads your application that also thinks you're awesome that will send an email that says you're invited for an interview. Yeah, the interview process, that uh, that's also quite nerve-wracking, right? You actually go to the location of the school, and, well, probably now you do it Zoom, I'm guessing, for at least the last little while. But at the time you did it, you were, went in person to locations, right? Yeah, exactly. So I think I applied to, I don't remember how many medical schools, 15 to 20, I think. Um, and I only got two interviews, Um and then I only got into one of those programs. <laughs> so That's all you need. <laughs> that's all you need. It really is. But, um, you know, I, I went to a place that was way out of my comfort zone. I grew up in Utah and went to Alabama. It was a lot different, but it was a very good experience. And I wouldn't change it for the world. And I love Alabama. So everyone that out, out there listening, roll tide. <laughs> hey, you won't be invited Ooh. back. <laughs> <laughs> oh. SEC all the way, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Lame. All right, this is the end of this podcast <laughs> no no yeah Johnny. Bitter, uh, bitter jealousy. university of alabama at birmingham that's the name of the the school right yes that is right okay and um do different medical schools are they are, are they known for particular special even at the just the basic you know obviously the different medical schools have different specialties when you move to residencies and stuff like that but you went to university of alabama birmingham is that is that going to be different is are they going to is that going to turn out more pediatric doctors than say um you know university of utah something like that are, are there different specialties even at, at uh, just the basic um medical school level yeah, there, so there are certain medical schools. I think there's one, like in New York, that's called the something-something the school for future surgeons. You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> you don't go there to go to peds. Right. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I think that it definitely influences you. The, 
the opportunities you get and the things that you get to see are going to allow you to make a choice of your career. So if you go to a medical school and you have no um, exposure to ophthalmology, you'll probably never want to do that because you just haven't ever seen it. So anyway, yeah, I think that that does influence decisions quite a bit. Another question, we have a worldwide audience, which I was going to say hi to Suriname. We had our first Surinamese listen, listener for the first time ever in the podcast history, so very excited about that. If, if you that Carl, say that in Strun and Tongo. <laughs> yeah, and that's Falaka Mati. Um, yeah, so I'm pretty excited. But yes, worldwide listener base. <laughs> what uh, medical school, I know that in the United States, um, Generally, I've I've heard doctors that go to the Caribbean, things like that. Um, have you did you meet any doctors that went uh, outside of uh, United States for medical school and that experience completely different? Yeah, so there's a few routes that you can take when you're applying to medical school. Um, I need a quick drink of water so I don't have a coughing fit again. Uh, coronavirus? No corona. I'm, I'm vaccinated. All right. <laughs> medical school broke his respiratory system <laughs> um so um you can apply to an md program that's a medical doctor those are generally the most competitive um then um directly under and far as far as competitiveness this doesn't make somebody a better doctor or worse doctor um directly underneath that in in um competitiveness would be the do schools um, doctor of osteopathy, and then underneath that would be um, the Caribbean schools. So the Caribbean schools are very a lot easier to get into, um, and so um, it's a lot harder. How do I say this without actually saying? It? I'm just going to say it. I don't care about being politically correct. So, um, so generally the levels down you go in competitiveness, the more doors are closed to you. So in an MD school, if you get the same exact score on your exams as somebody that applied to a D that is in a DO school as, as the same as somebody that is in a Caribbean school, the MD will have a more competitive application just because of the school they went to and the degree behind their name than the DO and the Caribbean person. The person in the Caribbean, it's very difficult for them to get competitive residency programs. Uh, if they want to do like primary care and be like a family medicine doctor or something like that, then they can probably go to a Caribbean school and be able to do that. But you should know, um, and for, the, for people applying to Caribbean schools or to any other medical schools, um, there's a lot of people that say, well, once you're a doctor, you're a doctor. It doesn't matter where you got your training. And that is just totally not true. Um, you, if you don't, if you really want to do something very competitive in medicine, you need to really try to get into an MD school so that you keep all those doors open. If you want to do primary care and that's what you want to do, then yeah, maybe going to a different route would, would be good for you. Um, but you really need to think about that before you go. Also, um, I've ha I have a lot of friends in my residency program that are DO um, at doctors, and they're fantastic doctors, and I love them very much. 
Um, and it seems to me as well that they did not get the type of support that I did in an MD school. So MD schools tend to be better funded, um, it seems like. They've been around a little longer and they'll like set up rotations for you. You say, hey, I want to do a rotation in this and it's available. Uh, whereas some people in the DO schools, they have to set up their own rotations. And in the Caribbean schools, I think that you have to do it all on your own, basically. They don't even have like your core rotation set up. So it does make it a little bit more... Um, a little bit more work. It's not impossible to be a doctor through those programs, but it does make it harder if you want to do something subspecialized or competitive. Wow, those that's all stuff I just didn't know in the slightest. I didn't even know the difference between an MD and a DO. So uh, that's really good to know. Um, you, I mean, like you said, I'd imagine that there are going to be good doctor, good MD doctors, obviously, but also good doctors of all variety. Just because you didn't, weren't as competitive or whatever for whatever reason, doesn't mean you didn't have, you don't have the ability to be a good doctor. It just means, like you said, you might not get the same sport, you might not get the same training, which will eventually affect what you can achieve and what you can what what you can do, right? So, um, yeah, and and you know some people just aren't that good at test taking, and that doesn't mean they're going to be a bad doctor. That just means that they need to try to find a way to accomplish their goals in a different way. And if that's through a DO school or through um, a Caribbean school, then so be it. Um, but so much of medicine is determined on how well you take exams, unfortunately. Right. Speaking of that, okay, so the different years of medical school, you are there are different things that you focus on, right? The first year or two, you're, you're really focused about the books and the exams, right? Um, and after that, you start getting more in the, the hands-on stuff. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Um, so some schools are changing the way that they do things. <clears throat> um, where they have a shorter, what they call them preclinical years, which is basically, um, for lack of better word, it's basically hell. Um, you're in a classroom like all day learning every single day and you take like huge exams every single week and it's very difficult okay. and it is extremely frustrating. And for me, I'm, I'm very extroverted, um, so I can't study with people because all I do is distract them. <laughs> so I have to like, go study on my own in like a quiet space away from my family it was honestly pretty depressing. <laughs> <laughs> Rough two years. <laughs> yeah, so, about, along those lines, um, uh, w those first two years, um, do you think it's most important to uh, uh, essentially, you, you can't ha have a job, right? During medical school, you can't have a job. You, you need to have essentially, those, the, are those the times that it, where it's the most time consuming you said obviously it's the most time you spent in the class but how would you compare that overall time wise uh you essentially assume that you're not going to have any time to do anything else <laughs> yeah i mean some people they did have jobs in medical school um so it is possible i think it's kind of frowned upon <clears throat> um i just i honestly and this is this is coming from me. I, I worked all during undergrad, like full time and did school full time. And I thought that it would just be, you know, a breeze to just to be able to do school. And it was still difficult and a lot of work. So I don't think that it's a good idea to work during medical school. 
honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Which also then brings me to the other point of, about paying for medical school, which is incredibly expensive. Um, I, all right. That's a, that's all I had for today. Um. <laughs> well, I mean, I know I, the, that's the unfortunate <laughs> thing, right? Is like you get it's kind of you you just have to sign up for the student loans unless you're independently wealthy. Right. Um, is there any I mean, do some schools no medical school does like um, scholarships or anything like that? Right. You just you're signing up to pay a certain amount of money and that's that. So that that is one thing. If you're um, a fantastic student, um, and then also if you have some type of uh, minority background where um, you you know like you come from an underserved area or things like that, where you're becoming a physician and it's been very difficult for you, there's scholarships for that. So you can be able to get medical school paid for. There's also another way, which adds approximately four years, um, but you are out of medical school debt-free, and that is by doing an MD-PhD. So you do two years of uh, the, the, the preclinical years of medical school, and then you do four years of an actual doctorate degree in some type of thing, um, and then you do the last two years of medical school, which are um, the clinical years where you're actually working with patients and things like that. Okay. That, the other one I've heard about before is uh, m the military route, right? If you do, um, if you sign up for uh, a member of the, the a particular branch of the service, they will and get your degree through sponsored through them. Then you you then you're a doctor. You don't have the debt, but you then have years that you have to give them, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, they also have um, public service loan forgiveness that you can earn. Um, they'll forgive your debts if you work in certain fields and things. I don't know how all of it works, honestly. Okay. There are some options, essentially, but they're it, essentially paying for medical school is difficult. And you can either assume that you're going to be in, in debt unless you're independently wealthy or your parents are, or or essentially you have to, to find uh, some other not normal route of doing it. the military, or if you, like I said, come from an underserved background, then, then you might be able to find some way to get it paid for. But for, for most people, it's uh, I sign up for a lot of student debt. And uh, I just know that as a doctor, I'm going to eventually be able to pay that off. Yeah, so, I, I think that that's, that's the idea. I, I don't think that you should go into the military just for the fact that you want to have education paid for. I think that if you want to go into the military and you've been thinking about going into the military and, hey, they'll pay for your education, then that is probably better um, than for somebody like me that I didn't really want to go into the military, um, but I thought about doing it just to have it paid for because I, you know, I don't like debt. Right. Uh, but for me, I just didn't want to be in the military it just wasn't for me military service incurs or implies a different type of debt there is it is not debt free it's sure. just not a debt that has a dollar sign it right exactly yeah it's more in, in time and 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 what you're going to be assigned to do in the military versus well you know not time as much as life right exactly so. well don't those things are you know related <laughs> um but yeah okay so 
paying for medical school is very difficult. Um, obviously, spend some time looking at your options there. We talked about the clinical years. Uh, now about residency. So, Johnny, um, it's your last year or two. Is that when you start deciding on which? Uh, how, how do you explain the the that that process at the end of medical school and how you get uh, into residency? Yeah. So your third year of medical school, you go through um, certain rotations that you have to go through. They're your core clerkships is what they're called. And you get some exposure to different areas in medicine. And then you basically just it's a free for all. What do you want to do? That's something that's really difficult for people to do. But one of my mentors, he said, you'll probably be very happy doing lots of different things in medicine after you've already chosen to go to <clears throat> go to medical school. So for me, I remember in undergrad when I was working under uh, overnight stocking shelves at a grocery store and thinking, um, you know, this job is way better. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, okay. So I, that process of picking can be difficult, but there's, there's that's kind of a little bit of like applying for med uh, medical school again, right? Where you have to apply for different residency programs, uh, and then that whole process is pretty pretty complicated as far as the, I know. There's a match day, right? Um, what uh, what is the so there's an interview related a pro, uh, interviewing as well. Um, do you go to lots of different schools and interview for your residency? How does that work? Yeah, since I'm really indecisive, um, I applied for like 30 programs, which is total overkill for pediatrics. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I interviewed at, um, I got interviewed, I got invites at like 15 places and then interviewed at like 10. And um, and then the places that you interview at, um, you rank them. So you say, well, this would be my number one program. This would be my number two choice, number three, four, five, all, up until however many you interviewed at. And then the programs rank you. They're like, well, this is the applicants we would want. One, two, three, four, until however many applicants applied there. Then it goes into computer math magic, and it spits out a match. So it matches the program with the applicant. That's our next and, podcast, by the way, computer math magic. As told <laughs> by a medical doctor. <laughs> <laughs> okay sorry yes they spit it out <laughs> and everybody gets the result on the same day it's called match day and it's very exciting they just had match day last week so, um, so does anyway. everyone match no not everybody matches so they the computer system works to match the maximum <clears throat> it tries to match your highest choice with the program that you chose anyway i'm not exactly sure how it all works like i said math magic math magic yeah. <clears throat> and um not everybody matches and so they can try to so you find out on monday if you matched or if you didn't match and if you didn't match then you do what's called the scramble where you basically fill out an entire new application for programs that still have openings that didn't fill. And then you do interviews over the phone and then you try to scramble into a program. Um, very stressful. stressful. I was going to say that sounds stressful. 
Um, so it's better to match. <laughs> yeah, I'd imagine so. Okay. Well, um, I don't. I, we won't go all the way into residency. I, residency is in post medical school, right? You were, you were graduated by the time when you were a resident. You no longer part affiliated with your medical school, right? You're no longer a student at the University of Alabama, right? That is correct. Yeah, I am graduated now. Yeah. So you are a full doctor, or once you finish residency, do you get another distinction, another test, or what's this? Is, is there just you have to fill a certain number of years? Um, so you can t- you take so after your first year of residency, <clears throat> you take another exam. That's very expensive, of course. Everybody needs their piece. Right. Um, and um, and then after residency, you take a board certification exam. Um, so that's what that's how you begin to practice is. As a board-certified physician, they're the people that passed their board certification exam. Okay, and until so, while you're in residency, you are under the supervision of a board-certified doctor, right? Yeah. Okay. Now, if you don't pass that exam, is that one you can take multiple times, or are you are you one and done? (laughs) So they only offer it like once a year, so or twice a year or something like that. So you can retake it, but it's pretty um, difficult, I guess. Like it's pretty difficult to get into the test, but while you're trying to pass it, you can still work as a doctor, but you can't say that you're board certified, so. Okay, is, is now is that test more like, you know, your driver's ed test where you ran a red light and you still got your driver's license or do they? Uh... Hey, that yellow was short. <laughs> <laughs> how, how grueling is that process is it like pretty common for doctors to to pass it on their first go yeah that really depends on the residency program some residency programs have like a very high pass rate um and that's something if somebody's applying to residency i would encourage people to look at um the, if the, they're passing if like 95 percent of the people that take the exam pass it that's a great sign the 50% that take the exam pass it, that's probably not a great sign that those people are being educated in the way that they need to be to be a good doctor. Mm, interesting. Okay. And all these statistics, those types of things, those are things you can look up. So when people are doing their research into different medical schools, um, can they can they find these numbers pretty easily? Or is this something you have to, like, you know, call the university for? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you don't have to call the university for it. They Although they, a lot of them would be happy to help you right. um, because they make a lot of money off their students, obviously. <laughs> um, right. But, um, yeah, yeah, you uh, you can find all the information online. Um, and then there's also like this, this trap called um, Student Doctor Network that has all these people that, you know, are very type A, applying to med school. They have stellar scores. They're like, I don't know if I'll get into residency. And it just makes everyone more stressed out. So maybe not getting on that website, but it can be helpful to find information if you don't know where to find information. Sure. But take everything with a grain of salt on that website. Okay. One more question from me, and then I'll see if Matt or uh, Tim have any, any questions before we wrap up here. But my last question is, okay, so you mentioned the difference between MD, DO, um, a lot of doctors work with PAs, physicians assistants. They don't go to medical school. Is that right? 
that's correct. They go to a PA school, and that's com- those aren't affiliated with, um, you know, your your traditional medical schools. Those um, shorter programs. What uh, what's what's the difference? You know, I actually don't really know. <laughs> oh, okay. But right. they, um, so from what I from what I understand, they have to work underneath a physician. Um, I, I think it might be a four year program, and then they can just go get a job. Um, I'm not really okay. sure how it works. Okay, but it's, that's not you didn't people that you went to school with didn't you know fail out and then become a PA or something like that. There, that's a completely different program. They do that knowing that okay, I don't want to deal with residency. I don't want to deal with all of that. I'm not going to be a board certified doctor. I just want to be a PA. Um, I'm going to take this program instead. Yeah, it's generally less time. Um, it's usually less debt, and they they on average they'll make less money, but it's still a very lucrative a lucrative job, and there's increasing amount of PA physicians um, physician assistants job openings are are pretty high from what I understand. It might depend on the you know I mean this was from several years ago that I'm. Okay. <laughs> you sure. know, talking about these things, I know that right. there's a little bit of a, a job market um, issue right now with everything that's happening sure. with COVID. So, okay. All right. Well, that's that's uh, that's it for me, Matt or Tim. Do you have any final questions for Dr. Johnny? Uh, yeah, kind of one. Um, can you talk to, uh, I mean, obviously your experience was your experience, but could you, do, would you have any words for someone who's already done something professional and say they have a, a you know, mid-career change and want to become a doctor after having worked in another field for many years? Is that generally able to be a thing? Are there things that make you more or less able to do that if you wanted to? Any thoughts? Um, I think that there's actually quite a few people that um, do that. There's a gentleman that I'm in residency with. He's in his 40s, um, and he's just finishing up his residency. Um, he had a job in like the IT st- computer magic stuff job. Ah, yes. um anyway he he decided he wanted to go to medical school and and he did um so it's just a matter of getting if you really want to do it um getting your prerequisites done and applying and generally the people that are a little bit older i think depending on the program you apply to they they really enjoy having um some people like that the non-traditional students mixed into the classes because a lot of these people, they've never had a job, they've only been in school, um, and they've just basically done straight through school, and, and they don't know what it's like to work in the real world or to have um, experience as far as, um, you know, what it's like to work in a, a corporate um, setting, and they, they just have no idea. They're, they're fantastic students, and they know how to learn, but they don't know necessarily how to work. So having some of those non-traditional students that have had that work experience and maybe um, uh, maybe they're not quite the best students um, as far as learning goes, they still add a lot to the class, um, even if they're not quite as competitive on paper as some of the other 
people that have only been doing school. So I, I think if somebody really wants to do it, if that's what they really want to do, um, they should probably go, <clears throat> you know, maybe shadow a doctor, um, see if it's something that they are going to enjoy. And if they like it, they should go for it, I think. Now, when you say shadow a doctor, I assume that just means follow him around. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do you have to get his like, their permission to do that, consent, or yeah. can you just like follow some dude around at a hospital? <laughs> you're you're bone wearing black. You're like ignore me. Yeah. <laughs> follow him around wearing black robes and carrying a scythe. <laughs> that might not be so good in a pediatric setting. But, okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, you have to contact a physician um, and. And sometimes a lot of offices have hoops that you have to jump through in order to shadow. Like you have to have your vaccine records um, to make sure you're vaccinated. And then you have to like do a background check and things like that to make sure you're not some type of, you know, murderer that's wanting to shadow a physician to pick right. their next prey. Is that a thing? <laughs> I mean, well, I don't know. maybe Sounds we like should avoid movie, this though. topic. <laughs> oh my that turn took an unexpected turn <laughs> that's why people listen to this podcast for the unexpected terms that's right terms. terms i don't know both like computer magic also yes. unexpected term <laughs> okay um tim any questions yeah um johnny what uh zodiac sign should you be if you want to be go to medical school wow we've uh, jumped straight from man of science to uh, <laughs> uh never mind. i right. would well, say in response to that if you're asking that question no tim you should not apply to medical school <laughs> ah dang it <laughs> well i mean there are plenty of alternative medicines that you know, yeah that's right institutions that you could apply to <laughs> which doctor, doctor? yeah is it is it, can't you be like a md of feng shui or something i don't know there we go I'll that sounds here. amazing i think i picked the wrong career <laughs> yeah. all right future podcast here we go <laughs> okay well i think that will uh, that's a fitting end to a otherwise very factual and interesting podcast thanks tim um, <laughs> always here <laughs> Okay, well, um, Johnny, thank you. Um, we've made use of your medical school training in a different way today. <laughs> yeah, so when do I get that check? Um, right after I get that check. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I do want to thank our listeners. We are trending upwards again. We have listeners from all over the globe. Um, so, um, you know, tell your friends. Uh, I think I've heard that if you rate us, that helps, which... So do that, um, and then uh, we'll be back in um, the future with some more computer magic. Until then, um, <laughs> thanks, Johnny. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Tim. And we will see you guys back next podcast.